You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Father, we thank you for the blessing of your presence and we ask, Lord, have your way. That which you have prepared for us today we receive with joy and gladness. And I declare that your word will come with simplicity and with accuracy and it will minister grace to every hearer. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray and agree. Amen and amen. Okay, just help me smile at someone and tell them welcome to church. It's great to have you in service this morning. And let's just love on everyone who's joining us online as well. We love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for joining in. Okay, so let's do this. Um, Daniel, can you help me with the board? And I'm going to borrow Demilade at some point. He has fantastic board handwriting. I feel like everybody has two types of handwriting. My handwriting is like really nice on paper. Yes. On the board, Nifemi, bless you. <laughs> on the board, it's not so great, but we'll make it work. So depending, if I can wing it, I will. Otherwise, I'll just ask um, Demiladi to help me. I even hope we all can see the board by the time we start writing. Okay. Um, so we continue our teaching series this morning. I'm definitely going to need Demiladi's help before things fall apart on this day. Okay, so we continue our teaching series this morning. Um, we started out last week with Jehovah which way? Jehovah which way? Just divine direction. And Demiladi and I spent some time just talking um, and, and um, breaking down the whole concept of divine direction, what it means, how we can access divine direction, and what it doesn't look like, you know, and we trust that you were blessed. Um, you left with the acronym DRIP, amen. How many people remember what that is? What's D? DRIP, DRIP F, yeah, DRIP, DRIP. D is what, distraction? I can hear Ejiro's voice very clearly, he took notes. R, recognition problem, yes, I. Immaturity and P, positional challenges or positional issues. F is what? Full blown. The way he said that, full blown. I don't expect anybody to forget that. Anyway, um, so just building on that thought, we're going to be looking at how the word guides us in navigating the murky waters of life. Okay? Um, we recognize that the word of God is the compass. It is a sure anchor for our souls. And I know that um, people have dwelt in the past on just the, some of the contradictions and complexities of the Bible as it were. But that's not the focus for this morning. The focus for this morning is an aspect of how the Word guides us and reveals the nature of God to us. A dimension of God's nature as manifested and displayed in His wisdom. So how do we engage divine wisdom in our daily life and living? Now, the word wisdom is something we're all familiar with, so I'm not even going to try and belabor the point. We know that to display wisdom or to manifest wisdom, it means you are wise, yeah? If I ask how many wise people are in the room, I'm sure most hands will go up. Okay, let's try it out. How many people are wise? Are you wise? Put your hands up. <laughs> What's the opposite of wisdom or, why, uh, or being wise? Foolishness. Do we have foolish people in the room? Are you foolish? Are you sure? 
Somebody said, I'm not sure. Okay, I mean, if you ask that question, nobody in their right mind would say, I'm foolish. But I ask myself, if we had to ask God what he thought of certain lifestyles or just your general living, are we going to be more on the foolish spectrum or the wisdom spectrum? Where on that <laughs> Somebody said what? Up and coming foolish. Perhaps. And the reason why we need to talk about wisdom, again, just as I said earlier, the life we're getting or the life we, we the world in which we exist is becoming more and more cr crazy. It's crazier, craziest. Becoming more and more co co um, complicated. Darkness is becoming more and more sophisticated. And so to be able to thrive in this world, you need a higher dimension of wisdom that transcends the human wisdom that is at play. So as we continue this divine direction mandate, we recognize that winning in life requires the wisdom dimension of God's nature, that we need to navigate our world as his children. The big questions are what does his wisdom dimension look like practically in our daily lives and then how do we access it? I want to remind us of one of our anchor scriptures from last week. It says, for as many, in Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God are what? They are the sons of God. And we said, if you flip that um, statement, the sons of God are those that are led by the Spirit of God, right? Good. Now, if the Spirit of God leads us as God's children, and the nature of God or wisdom is a principal character um, attribute of the nature of God, we can infer, or we can, by the time you put, you know how you write equations, yeah? When you mix up the equation, ideally you should have the sons of God are people that are filled with the divine wisdom of God because they carry his nature. Does that make sense? Are we together? Okay. Ideally that is what it should be. But one of the scriptures that, again, if you've listened, if you've been coming to Life Point for a bit, you would have heard me reference this scripture quite a bit that I say infuriates me, is the scripture where Jesus would say, the children of the world are wiser than the children of light. Same Jesus would also say, you know, that his expectation of us is to be as wise as serpents and as gentle as doves. So just thinking through the whole concept of the wisdom of God, the divine wisdom of God, spiritual wisdom, what does that look like in practical life? I'm going to reference very quickly a scripture before we go into the short Bible study. I'm going to be going through a number of scriptures. So please, your devices, your Bible, whether you use paper Bible or a gadget, just um, keep it with you so that we can go through the scriptures together. Before I go to the scripture in Joshua, let's read together. It's a pretty long read, which is why we are all going to read it together. Let's go to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 8. 
We'll read the first 21 verses together, and it's very deliberate, because as you read it, I want you to internalize the words that are coming out of your own mouth, to hear you yourself with your inner ear. And then we'll read 32 to 36, but we'll read in the message translation. Now, I suspect this board might be obstructing. Yeah? Can we see the projector? No. Okay. Mm. Let's just move it down for now, please. Thank you. Okay. Hmm? Okay. Can the cameras get there? Fantastic. Okay, so let's have it up on screen. Message translation, Proverbs 8. Once you go, do you hear Lady Wisdom calling? Can you hear Madam Insight? Can we read it together, guys? Can you hear Madam Insight raising her voice? She's taking her stand at first and main at the busiest intersection, right in the city square, where the traffic is thickest. She shouts, you, I'm talking to all of you, pause. We need to read it with some humph, some attitude. Yeah, just picture that you are giving a spoken word because if you read through, you find it's literally a spoken word piece. So let's read it with that um, attitude. So it says, you, I'm talking to all of you. Move on to the next verse or next set of verses. Go on, go on, go on, multimedia. Everyone out here on the streets. See why I could not have read it? Let's take that line again. Listen. Learn good sense. Shape up. Don't miss a word of this. I'm telling you how to live well. I'm telling you how to live at your best. My mouth chews and savors and relishes truth. Next. I can't stand the taste of evil. You'll only hear true and right words from my mouth. Not one syllable will be twisted or skewed. You'll recognize this as true. You with open minds Truth-ready minds will see it at once. Prefer my life disciplines over... Amen? Good. And God knowledge over... Amen. Next. For wisdom is better than all the what? Amen. Go on. Nothing you could wish for holds a candle to us. Where are we now, guys? Okay, so next, move on. We're going all the way to 21, um, multimedia. Yeah. I am Lady Wisdom, and I live next to who? Sanity. Knowledge and discretion live just down the street. The fear of God means hating evil, whose ways I hate with a passion. Pride and arrogance and crooked talk. Good counsel and common sense are my characteristics. I'm both insight and the virtue to live it out. With my help, leaders rule. With my help, governors govern, along with all in legitimate authority. I love those who love me. Those who look for me find me. Wealth and glory accompany me. Also, substantial honor and a good name. My benefits are worth more than a big salary. 
I did not say it all. Even a very big salary, even your foreign currency earnings living in Nigeria, the returns on me exceed any imaginable bonus. Hmm. You can find me where? On Righteous Road. That's where I walk. At the intersection of Justice Avenue. Handing out life to those who love me. Filling their arms with life. Arm loads of life. Let's go to verse 32. So, my dear friends. Okay, are we there? 32? Okay. So, my dear friends, listen carefully. Those who embrace these my ways are most blessed. Mark a life of discipline and live wisely. Don't squander your precious life. Blessed the man, blessed the woman who listens to me. Awake and ready for me each morning. Alert and responsive as I start my day's work. When you find me, you find life real life, to say nothing of God's good pleasure. We can pause there, we can pause there. Okay, let's read it. But if you wrong me, what will Lady Wisdom do? You damage your very soul. When you reject me, what? Flirting with death. I'm sure a number of us have not read this Proverbs 8 in this translation. Yeah. It brings it very, it makes it come alive. And it uses relatable terms that you and I are familiar with. Because by the time you check it, at the end of the day, all your rat race, you're going in the morning, coming back at night, all your hustle is to what end? When you really examine your motives. For some, you have good motives. It is to make the world a better place. It's to impact, you know, a people group. It's to, to bring about a change in, in an industry that would ultimately translate to, you know, impact. It's to help the economy. So, you know, but for most of us, it's just to be all right. Just to blow, make money, be okay. Live a very comfortable life. A very, very comfortable life. And there's nothing wrong with that. But meanwhile, I don't know why wisdom is referred to as she, by the way. And that's not saying anything, guys. It was just a very clear observation. But Lady Wisdom here... She, I mean, the woman has no chills. Like, she, with all the name calling and all, clearly is a very, very important and passionate matter. And it's interesting that the writer of this proverb is Solomon, whom is the, or who is the acclaimed wisest man that ever liveth. The one to whom God specifically and specially deposited, you know, a truckload of wisdom into his life. He's the one that brings this perspective. He's the same person. You know, when I was reading this, I was like, okay, maybe wisdom is she because... Sorry? <laughs> Alexa. Mm. Exactly, this is, this is our Alexa. Anyway, where we're going with this is we want to lay foundation as we continue this divine direction conversation. Using, referencing a lot of the things that that Proverbs 8 scripture, and I encourage you, please study it this week. Just think about it and let the Holy Spirit bring the words alive to you. Just so you see the areas where you and I need to make adjustments, okay? But we see here how divine direction 
to be able to live that life that God has called us to, we need the wisdom of God. We need the, a superior type of wisdom needs to be at play. And it is not the wisdom that is hinged or shrouded in religiosity. Because half the time we ask ourselves very real questions, and that's why I love life points. We are very real. We have a ton of Christians in Nigeria. We have praying churches, and yet there are countries in the world that are way ahead of us and are not as half, really, in fact, a, a third or a quarter as religious as we are. What is going on? And that's the question you and I need to keep asking ourselves. What is going on? Now, there is the wisdom um, for divine or the wisdom for witty innovation. There's the wisdom to bring to bear a, a creative, the creative side of God. And that type of wisdom is not dependent on whether you are saved or not, whether you are born again or not. Remember we said last week when somebody, um, one of the questions that Demilade um, answered about is it possible for everyone to hear God? There is a measure of God's spirit that we all have. It's like going to school, yeah? You go to school, what do you do? You train your mind. With education, you become more literate, you become more exposed, and your mind starts to grow. The same way we train our minds is the same way we're expected to train our spirits. Now, you train your mind to, and you expand your mind, and you are open to endless possibilities. As you grow your mind, the creative deposits are able to reside in you based on specific needs and interests and passion, the talents, the abilities, and the skill. Because whether you are saved or not, God created you. He put in you a measure of his spirit, his breath that is in you. So you have a portion of God resident in you. The only problem is you need to grow it. The only challenge is there are certain dimensions of God you cannot accept, ex uh, access except by sonship. And that, that is where the challenge is. Until your identity changes and you become the person that God has, you know, originally designed you to be before sin came into the picture, there are dimensions of God that you will not be able to access. That is the reality. And so today, just thinking about this whole concept of divine wisdom and how can we bring it to bear in our world? What needs to change for us? We're going to read a couple of scriptures, and Demilada, please, I'll need your help here. I've already warned you guys that today we're doing a lot of Bible reading and Bible study. As Demilada makes his way over to help me write out um, stuff on the board, let's read Joshua chapter 1. Verses 7 to 8. Do we have it up on screen? Joshua 1, 7 to 8. Okay, once you go, only you be strong and very courageous that you may do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Turn, turn out from... Oh, sorry, I think I have another translation. Okay. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Next verse. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. 
for then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. Right. I have the Amplified Classic Translation, and that verse 8 says, The book of the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall deal wisely and have good success. You shall deal wisely and have good success. And it's interesting to note that your, your, the, 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 the use of the phrase there, good success, is not speaking to just fame and fortune. Because if you have an understanding of the context in which God spoke to Joshua here, Moses had just died, okay? Joshua was still in mourning. God needed for Joshua to arise and lead his people. And so he would show up to him and say, guy, there is work to be done. But here is what you need to know to be able to work effectively, to be able to deliver on the assignment, the purpose for which you are here at this time. Joshua had been serving as Moses' assistant for quite a bit. So he understood the ways of God. He knew who God was. He had a relationship with him. But that verse 8 there, I don't know if you've ever pondered. It says, the book of the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth. Now, we are not going to go into the etymology of whether it's Greek or Hebrew and what it means. Let's just focus on the English language there. What does the word depart mean? To leave, right? Okay. So what does that suggest? When God would say to Moses, the book of the law, which is the word of God, should not depart out of your mouth. What does that suggest? We can infer that the, it was already in him, right? And he was saying to him, look, because of this current circumstance, because of the current challenge that has befallen you, you know, because of the fact that Moses has died and you probably feel like, oh, am I good enough to step into Moses' shoes? says to him, very clear warning, that which you have received, do not let it leave from your mouth. So if you have been speaking the word, and that's how, it, I mean, the, the perspective just for the purpose of today's message, this is how it came to me, which is, you have been speaking the word, you have been declaring the word. You have said things like, I know that my God will not leave me for, nor forsake me. So says his word. His word says to me that I will not know shame. His word says to me that by, my, by, by his stripes, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. When we then get into the situation that requires us to bring out of the deposit of the word that we've received, the word has taken a walk. Did the word really leave or did we? Did we stop declaring the word? Did we stop, um, you know, focusing on the authenticity of the word. All of a sudden, the word is not as potent anymore. Why? Because our faith, you know, is no longer as active or as alive. And so God is saying here to him, do not let the word depart of, out of your mouth. Keep speaking it, keep declaring it. He says to him, you shall meditate on it day and night. You shall brood on it. You shall focus on it. You must keep, it must come alive to you. You must spend time chewing on it. And then he will go further to say that you may observe and do. So it's not enough to receive just the word. It is to take action. So the actions that we take, are they hinged on the word? Are they from a place um, of strength that comes from staying with the word? And so those are just three things there. 
He says, you shall deal wisely and shall have good success. Now, good success is the natural outcome of a submitted life. We spoke about submission and surrendering last week. To be able to engage divine direction, you have to be a son. You have to be a sheep. My sheep know my voice. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. They know my voice. So to enjoy good success, to enjoy the life, the quality of life that God has intended for you, you need to sit with him. It has to flow from a place of fellowship and intimacy. And the primary way we do that is by getting into the word. Hence why we've said uh, the Bible, the word of God, is a compass for us believers. We cannot afford to continue to, a lot of us are so knowledgeable about, you know, the strategy required for, you know, economic issues. We're very knowledgeable, and it's great. I'm not faulting that, because God needs us to be knowledgeable so that when we are speaking in the marketplace, we are speaking from a dimension of wisdom, divine wisdom, and superior intelligence. But we seem to always sway to two extremes as believers. There's the one extreme of all I know is just the word. And I am not developing myself. I am not upskilling. I am not, you know, um, even when the Holy Spirit is ministering to you, go and take that course. It is required. We just believe the favor of God will position me. Amen. The favor of God will get me there. And it's great because the favor of God is real. It's a, it's a thing. Scripture says that I will shield you. I will encompass you with favor as a shield. It is real. But we make it as though God just looks for foolish people, wraps them around with favor, and positions them. That is not how it works. That is so not how it works. Then there's the extreme, the other extreme, which is, I know what I know. I am smart like that. I am so intelligent. I have filled myself with every knowledge that is required to be able to thrive, and so I don't need God. So how do we create a balance? We look at the life of someone like Daniel. Have you ever wondered how, how, how was Daniel able to thrive and survive three dispensations of, of, of uh, Babylonian rule? And he was the go-to guy every time. Joshua would say, sorry, Daniel would say, for I have learnt by books. You cannot take away the place of education, no. I have learnt by books. So if there's something you sense very strongly that God is calling you to, Go and research about it. Find how to get educated on the matter. Become a subject matter expert. But the same Daniel that says, I have learned by books, yeah, is the same one that even when they brought out a, 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 a proclamation and to ensure that he fell into the traps of men, mandating him not to pray to his God. He knew that he was nothing, that all of that knowledge, all of that wisdom that he has gained from books and from just, you know, being very well taught, well, well researched, well educated, amounted to nothing outside of God. That the superior life that he lived, and when I say superior now, not from a haughty or prideful place, but the reality was he was superior to all his contemporaries, which was why the kings always promoted him, made him a prime minister, gave him an exalted status, because he had what the others didn't have. His contemporaries were filled also with wisdom. I mean, they, they knew stuff. They were, they were educated as well. But he was, 
I mean, look at the people he was leading, sorcerers, satraps, you know, these are, these, these are deep people, wise men. But he manifested divine wisdom. And that quality of wisdom comes only from a place of intimacy and fellowship with God, where he reveals deep and secret things to you, where he gives you the wisdom for life and daily living, where that wisdom cuts across and transcends every, you know, every sphere of your life. So it's not enough to just explode in one area. You know, academically, you are all that and more. Or financially, you are super rich. Or in business, you are creating innovative products. You are deploying solutions that, are, that is changing the world. But maritally, your family is in shambles. Spiritually, you have no heritage or inheritance in eternity. God is looking to fill us with divine wisdom that enables us to be balanced all around. It is very possible. It is very possible to achieve good success. That's why he said, he said you will achieve good success in everything that you do. All you need to do is meditate on this day and night. Keep the word before you. Keep my presence before you. I mean, Gabriel will show up. And I know I said we're going to do Bible study, but yeah. Gabriel will show up at some point to Zachariah. He was going to deliver a message. And Zachariah will say to him, how shall these things be too? The same question Mary asked. How, how, how will I have this child? And Gabriel will say to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. As at that point in time, Gabriel was obviously standing in the presence of Zachariah, not in the presence of God. But Gabriel is the angel of revelation, and so when he shows up, he's coming with the revealed mind and knowledge of God. And so when he says, I stand, for me, it's so instructive because it means my position is not dependent on the things that are going on in and around me. Where am I located per time? It has to be in his presence. It has to be in his presence because it's in his presence that I access revelation. It is in his presence that I receive wisdom for relationships, for finances, for my career, my profession, for, for business, for even navigating family issues, even living in Nigeria. It is his presence I receive wisdom. And so the exercise I want us to do very quickly is, and I know I've spoken about spiritual wisdom or divine wisdom, but there was something we, start, when we did when we started Life Points. We, we called it anti-definition. So we, our very first message was on prayer. And so PI took, took us on an anti-definition of prayer. So what prayer isn't? Today we're going to talk about what's, what spiritual wisdom or what divine wisdom is not. And that's why um, Demilal is going to help me write out here. So the first scripture we're going to read, let's open our Bibles to James chapter 3 from verses 14. So we'll do 14 and, and uh, 14, 15, 16, yes. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Do we have that up? James 3, okay. So I'll read very quickly. It says, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, and what? And devilish. The um, translation I'm using here says demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion, and every evil thing are there. So, what is divine wisdom not? What doesn't it look like? From that scripture, can we 
try and bring out a word or a phrase. Okay, let me start off because we don't have so much time. So divine wisdom is not human wisdom. So let's have that on the board there. It is not human wisdom. So it's not earthly. And the definition of earthly wisdom, just in case somebody's wondering here, earthly wisdom, are we saying it's bad? No. The de- use of the word earthly here, let me read it out to you. It's a state of mind that doesn't acknowledge God's sovereign rule or his will. That's the use of the word earthly. A state of mind that does not acknowledge God's sovereign rule or God's will. That same type of wisdom is sensual and it is demonic. So you have human wisdom here. What does that wisdom look like? And I'll just give a few examples. It is, it, 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 it's manifest in ways like extreme self-love. I know there's a whole gospel of self-love in our generation, which is not a bad place or a bad thing to do. Yes, you need to care for yourself because if you can't even love yourself, how, how do you ha- um, have the capacity to love others? But this is, I'm talking about extreme self-love that focuses on just you, you know, that is selfish, that does not consider the interest of others. There is also the whole, you know, I focus on me, again, still on that self-love, or, um, you know, do me, I do you. That whole concept of, look, I'm not here to play because I'm a Christian doesn't make me a fool, and you are very correct. I'm nobody's doormat. And so you give me one, I will give you ten. That whole savagery, violence, I don't even have the softer word for it, but you get the point, guys. That position, that is human wisdom. Yeah? Emilokon is human wisdom. Let's move on from there very quickly. Heaven helps those who help themselves is human wisdom. Now, what does spiritual or divine wisdom look like? You see that whole violence and savagery? Jesus said, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. And I know it's a very bitter pill to swallow when you're in there. Ask me. When somebody has done you buzz bows, you don't want to pray for them. You do not want to bless them. But spiritual wisdom or divine wisdom says, if you belong to me, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. If you are a son, if you are a sheep, you will bless those who curse you. Yeah? You will not curse them back or curse them out. You will pray for those who despitefully use you. So that is the flip. That is what spiritual wisdom or divine wisdom is. Yeah? Let's see verse 17 of that same James 3. It says, but the wisdom that is from above is first of all what? Pure. Then peaceable. Okay, we don't have the scripture of multimedia. You need to please, please help us. Yeah? Wisdom that is from above is first of all what? Pure. Then then, 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 and without, and without hypocrisy. That is what divine wisdom looks like. So if you're asking for a picture of it, that is what it is. If you're checking yourself to see, well, I'm not really sure in what kind of dimension I'm functioning right now. Just test with this. That's kind of like your acid test. It is pure. It is peaceable. Full of mercy. Willing to yield. No partiality involved. No hypocrisy. Compared to all the other things we've spoken about. Now, let's read another scripture in James 3.13. So, the, the scripture before verse 14. Once to go, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? 
Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in what? The meekness of wisdom. The meekness of wisdom. And so we can infer that spiritual or divine wisdom is not arrogance. It is meekness. So let's have that word. So we have the first word, human wisdom. The second word is arrogance. So it is characterized by humility and meekness. So if there is pride, it is not of God. Because scripture says, God does what? He hates the proud. He detests pride. And he gives grace to the humble. God would always favor the one that is humble and meek over and above the one that is pride. Now, I just sense that somebody here is probably feeling like, well, I'm just really like super confident. I don't think that's pride. The fact that you're even debating within your mind, <laughs> you are proud. <laughs> the third thing, let's move on. Let's read um, Matthew 7, verses 13 to 14 to get our third word out. Matthew 7, 13 to 14. It says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go, by, go in by it. Proverbs 14.12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There are so many words you can bring out of this, but I want to, just for the sake of acronym, focus on two, destruction and death. So the wisdom of God, or divine wisdom, does not produce destruction or death. And just again, reference Proverbs 8, what Lady Wisdom said. Outside of me, you are likely going to suffer these trappings. Yeah, you're flirting with death. And now someone is wondering, is it like, like I will die, like my life will come to an end? There is that. But more often than not, it's a spiritual death. It is, the, it, is, it is the loss, the tragic loss of something or of a position. Yeah? But these scriptures that we've read here actually speak to, I mean, this, a life outside of Christ completely. The wisdom of God positions you to find yourself always in him. It helps you to live the life that he's called you to, to navigate the, you know, the deceitfulness of men. The, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, your unchecked desires. The wisdom of God grants you, you know, that ability to be able to see deception for what it is and to avoid it. There's so many other things, but for the sake of time, that we can't go into right now because we should actually talk about deception and all those things, but we can't. On the flip side, the wisdom of God produces life and it leads to life. Verse 14 of that uh, Matthew scripture says, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life and there are few who find it. So if we had to sum up these letters very quickly, we have human wisdom. The wisdom of God is not human wisdom. It's not earthly wisdom. It's not sensual wisdom. The I think or I want or I feel dimension. It is not the demonic type of wisdom that is focused on manipulation and manipulating others. So people can be naturally good, or they appear to be good, but their actions are manipulative, just so that they can get far and get, you know, fast, uh, well, get far and run fast. You and I need to ask ourselves, what are the ways in which I have been manipulative? What are the ways in which I have traded the wisdom of God for the wisdom of men? That I have chosen the strategy of men over and above the will of God. Where God had said to stay put, and I felt 
I was missing out. The fear of missing out, the fear of uncertainty caused me to make a move. I pray for anyone who is in that place today where you have made costly mistakes, that the mercy of God, you know, will come upon you over that particular issue. You would enjoy the mercy of God in the name of Jesus, and you will be liberated from the trappings and the effects of those poor choices, poor decisions that you have made outside of God's will, in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, if we had to summarize this, I was trying really hard to find an R word, because I was going to say the wisdom of God is not hard, but it did not come. So if you, uh, if you study, the, study further scriptures and you find me an R word, I will be glad to have it. But right now, what we have is H-A-D, yeah? So the wisdom of God is not hard. The divine wisdom, spiritual wisdom is not hard. It's not human wisdom. It is not arrogance, or it is not arrogant. And it is not the one that leads to deception, uh, destruction and death. Destruction and death. Okay, thank you so much, Demilade. Thank you very much for helping me out. There is no situation of life that God's wisdom cannot unravel. And that is for real, guys. There is no situation. There are things that have been revealed to, and people here, I'm sure there are people in the room or online, people who dream dreams, people who have visions, people who clearly see things, people that God shows stuff to, you know, way before it happens. It says, God's wisdom can turn negative situations into opportunities for divine acceleration and great growth. And God wants to display his wisdom through us, the church. He wants to manifest his wisdom through us. There is a role the church, the church is not the building, it's you and I. There is a role that we need to play actively. And it is important that for us to play this role effectively, we need to be equipped with the tools. Divine wisdom is a tool, guys. It is a strategic tool. I mean, when we started this year with all the projections, nobody saw diesel at the current cost that it is. You did your projections and your revenue forecasts with diesel at maybe 300 and something or 400 and something. Now, what is diesel cost today or diesel price? About 800-ish. See, the divine wisdom of God positions you and protects you. It shields you, prevents you from breakfasts that are unnecessary. Some breakfasts are necessary, Sha, because some people need to learn. Mm, you need to learn. You need to grow. But unnecessary breakfasts you would not have been served if only you had applied wisdom. Receive it if it's for you. So I want to talk quickly, very quickly, about two kings. Two kings, yeah? Two kings of Judah in Scripture. Jehoshaphat and Asha. Asha? Asha. You get the point. These guys ruled at different times. Two dispensations. Jehoshaphat had, you know, Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sire. Three countries come at him. Set out to attack the, the, the kingdom of Judah. What does he do? How, what is his response? He declares a nationwide fast. Okay. Um, they seek God's face. They pray. And they get a direction. God says to them, this battle is not your battle. Just show up. I've already sorted it. I just need you guys to sing and praise me. That's all. But this battle, you are not going to fight it. And that's what they do. They obey. And it ends in great success for them. Abundance of spoils of war. They were able to get gold, jewelry, you know, just got stuff off their enemies. Why? 
because God sent confusion into the camp of the three countries that were warring with them, and they turned on themselves. That is what divine wisdom can give you. It can lead to strategy that does not make sense. Because in the history of war, you don't show up at war to sing and dance with tambourines. You go with spears and swords and guns. That is an unusual strategy. Unusual strategies come from the place of intimacy with the Lord. It comes from Him. Only He can give you such because, I, I, again, I mean, think about the children of Israel when they were going to um, overcome Jericho. It was Jericho, right? Yeah. When the wall of Jericho was going to come down, God didn't ask them to build bombs or detonators or, you know, whatever it is that will bring down the wall. Give them a very simple strategy. Just go around and dance and worship. For some of us here, the strategy you are deploying, is probably, you just, I said this thing, was it two weeks ago? Now some people need to just declare a praise party. You need to have a praise party. You are applying a strategy now that is not working. You need to offer up thanksgiving. That is your weapon in this season. To overcome that particular issue before you, you just need to dedicate yourself, devote yourself to praises and thanksgiving. And watch the situation turn around. Unusual strategies come by reason of divine wisdom. And it comes from a place, again, of intimacy and fellowship. Now, look at what happened to the other guy. It's sad because King Asher was someone who also feared God. You know, he had done stuff. He had brought about certain reforms in the land of Judah. In fact, as at a point in time before this particular battle, when the uh, the guys came to him. I can't remember the guys now the, from what country, but some people came to him, the enemy territory. They came and he went to God. He sought God's face on the matter. But on this particular one, I wondered what happened. And I'm reminded of, again of that instruction God will give to Joshua. The book of the law should not depart from your mouth. Why wasn't he content? Did, was it that he did not like the results or the outcome of that first victory that God gave him? that he had to go and look, seek the wisdom of men in this particular instance and see what he did. There's a, an entire message here, but I need to be focused on this King Asa's reaction and response because he goes and he takes of the prized possessions, you know, the temple treasuries, speaking to disdain. The things that have been offered to God, the things that are for the use of God, you take them and you go and use it to negotiate and trade with your enemy. You have brought the sovereign down to your level. In fact, below your level because, again, it is his. You just carry and go and offer to, um, as, as, as a trade tool. That's what he did. And so he takes this and he gives it to these guys, um, the king uh, of Aram, asking that they should go and fight the Israelites so that he would enjoy peace. Did this solution or that strategy, did it deliver? Yes, it did. But it cost them something that was more long-term in nature. God said to him, and that part I would like to read. He says, God sent to him Anani the prophet. He says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those who... Okay, now before that, 
he went ahead and said, at the time, Anani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah. And I'm reading from Second Chronicles 16 now. He says, and said to him, because you have relied on the king of Syria, and you have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Now, divine agenda was for Judah to conquer Syria. But Judah went into partnership with Syria, submitting themselves to Syrian authority. When we function with human wisdom, we can cut short and truncate destiny plans and arrangements over our lives. God's intention was for Judah to overcome Syria, but rather the king offered up items to, Judah, uh, to Syria got them into partnership so that they could, you know, help them fight an unseen battle. Oh, well, fight a battle, not, it's not unseen. He says, where the Ethiopians and the Lubim, not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen, yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hands. See, the previous strategy deployed. You trusted in God, you depended on him, and he came through for you. It says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. It says, in this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. Look at how not following divine agenda caused problems for him and for generations coming after him. He says, you shall have wars. Then Asher, instead of being repentant, was angry with his ear, put him in prison, for he was enraged at him because of, of this. And Asha oppressed some of the people at the time. Then fast forward to verse 12. It says, and in the 39th year of his reign, Asha became diseased in his feet, and his malady, that his sickness, was severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. Now, the scriptures are very economical. When you see a phrase there or a statement that it's inferring something, means something, it meant, yeah, personal opinion. For us to have been told here that instead of seeking the Lord, this guy sought medical help. He sought physicians because I guess he was still very upset with God. There was a high likelihood that God could have healed him if only he had repented and sought him even in the place of sickness. So, of course, he stayed there and he died. This was somebody who started out well. The question for you and I to think about is, am I an Asha or am I a Jehoshaphat in my dealings with God? In my daily life and living, who am I? Are there certain things that I defer to the wisdom of God and certain things that I believe that I need to handle with earthly wisdom that is sensual based on my senses? What I want, what I think, how I feel, or the things, the dictates of men, peer pressure. Are there things that I'm currently doing right now that are not in agreement? Am I, am I unconsciously truncating my destiny with certain decisions that I am making? So to unless divine wisdom, you need to develop confidence in God's words and his ways. Scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean out on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him. And what will he do? He will direct your path. 
And that is so true. That is so true. Second thing is fellowship with the Holy Spirit via prayers and meditation. We've spoken extensively about the need to fellowship, to stay in that place of studying the word, meditating on the word, and praying, communing with God. Deep thoughts of God are revealed in the place of fellowship. God wants to see. I had something during the week just while listening to a message. It says, God did not send his son Jesus to die for you, not to speak to you. So in case there's anybody here who's sitting and thinking, God doesn't speak to me. God is angry with me. God gave, his, he gave himself up for your salvation. So he will do all that and then not speak to you. God is always speaking. Just like drip from last week. We are not positioned to listen. Our antenna is picking the wrong signals. The ref operating on the wrong frequency. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit via prayers and meditation. Next thing is inspired utterances. Sometimes God would have to send people to us, and we spoke about that last week, so I won't dwell on it too much here. God will send people to us. Ministry gifts have been given to the church to enrich our ability to receive direction and to confirm God's counsel. Sometimes it is from the word that is coming now. You are picking your own, that is your instruction. Another way God engages with us and how we can unnest divine wisdom is through divine encounters, visions, through dreams. Some of us dream and you just wake up, you just anyhow. You just dream, you're forgotten, you're just moving. Meanwhile, God has communicated something very deep to you. But because you're like, I'm not, I'm not really a dream person, and it's okay. But you need to understand that I am God's child. I am a son. And so my father, please, does your earthly father have only one specific way of speaking to you? If your earthly father that was created by the God of all the universe does not speak to you in just one way, why do we expect we put God in a box and say, I'm not really a dream person? He can speak to you in a dream. Perhaps he has tried to speak to you in other ways that you have refused to listen. And then you dream this dream that is scary. And it's like, no, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. It's not, it's the devil. God reveals to redeem, guys. Let's not joke with revelation. Sons don't joke with revelation, no. Sons do not joke with revelation. God reveals to redeem. So if there's a specific action he wants you to take, from today, some people need to wake, God, please, help me. This dream that I, it, it, it keeps coming back to me. I feel like there's something there, but I really can't remember. He will bring it back to you. He will send people to you. Either way, he will find a way of reaching you, okay? So, divine encounters, let's be mindful of that. I'd like us to pray. Can we just rise up and pray now? Let's pray. And I want you to just go ahead and talk to God this morning. You know in which way, in which area um, this message has hit you. I'd like you to start off and just speak to him. In your own words, from where you are right now, for some of us, it's an intimacy problem. It's an intimacy challenge. And you're like, God, I really want to know you. I really want to live for you. But I struggle in one, two, three areas. Go ahead and speak to him about it. For someone else, you know, it's, it's a function of obedience. God, my challenge is not even that I'm not hearing. It's the, it's the grace and the capacity to be able to obey you. To be able to obey these instructions. To be able to take action. That I will not continually be dependent on human wisdom. That I will not function and operate from a place of arrogance. Arrogance to the things of God. 
when my spirit is recalcitrant and rebellious to the position, the, ordin the divine ordinances of God. I position myself to receive your whole counsel concerning my marriage, concerning my children, concerning my finances, concerning my marital destiny for the people that are not married yet, concerning my relationships, whether it's business, professional, you know, whichever type or even social relationships. I position myself to hear clearly as a son and someone needs to declare that because right now listening to me you have read with you're filled with the burden of guilt and condemnation and God is saying to you that you are my son you are worth the blood of Jesus I paid that price for you I sent my son to die for you so that you can be redeemed redeemed from destruction redeemed from from the liability of sin that the enemy constantly puts you know in front of you go ahead and talk to God this morning speak to him speak to him and commit to a more intimate relationship with the Spirit of God scripture says that and the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him the Spirit of wisdom and revelation the Spirit of counsel and of might the Spirit of the knowledge and the fear of God the Spirit of wisdom is real guys and God wants us to operate with the Spirit of wisdom so go ahead and receive it this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus would you go ahead and ask for God that God would grant you the discretion and the wisdom to deal with everything that life throws at you everything that life sends in your way receive this morning the wisdom the grace to deal with them that scripture we read in Joshua 1 8 that translation says and that you will deal wisely in all things you will deal wisely in all things it is not enough to manifest the wisdom of God in just one or two areas God wants to be a part of every part of you he wants to be involved in every detail of your life he wants to bring his divine wisdom to bear in every area that affects you so this morning go ahead and declare Lord I receive the discretion and the wisdom to deal with everything life throws at me I will hunger and thirst for your word so that when the storms come I am firmly anchored and guided by your wisdom scripture says if any man lacks wisdom let him ask of God who gives freely gives liberally what areas do you need the wisdom of God right now please go ahead and ask your father if you're starting a new job you want to ask him for wisdom you are in a relationship right now you want to ask him for wisdom in your finances you want to ask him for wisdom you're currently processing applications to go you know for go to school you need his wisdom for your social relationships you need his wisdom for the big faith projects before you that the Spirit of God is inspiring you to to take on you need his wisdom you're currently writing exams you need his wisdom so go ahead and ask scripture says as he gives liberally he gives freely without finding fault and I want to pray for a group of people we're asking for wisdom to undo the effects of past mistakes there are mistakes you have made there are paths you have treaded that have cost you quite significantly in the name of the Lord Jesus if you have a prayer language and you are that person go ahead and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost let the Spirit of God do a quick work of restoration in your life in the name of Jesus we declare that you receive right now the wisdom of God that would enable you cause correct the wisdom of God that would enable you to undo the effects of past mistakes in the name of the Lord Jesus 
go ahead and declare over yourself and mention the specific area and if you need counseling please see any of the pastors before you go that the effects of past mistakes where you have been either willfully disobedient or subconsciously you entered into disobedience would you declare that the wisdom of God the mercy of God avails for you and enables you to come out of this situation and into light whether it be a financial decision and you have engaged losses a business decision a poor choice that you made in your profession would you ask that the wisdom of God would avail for you you receive wisdom for correction dear father we just thank you this morning we thank you for your word that is able to make us wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus and we declare all across the room and everyone watching online that your word imparts wisdom unto us for us to deal excellently in all affairs of life in Jesus name we pray amen can we please take a minute just sit down very quickly I'd like to give an opportunity to anyone here haven't listened to everything that we said you are in that situation or that place where you don't even have a relationship with Jesus please don't be in a hurry to to just focus on the wisdom you need to come into sonship first and so if you are that person all eyes closed all heads bowed we'll give you the privacy of the moment but really and truly it's not Jesus is not a he, he, he's not a, a concept to be hidden he's not a person to not be proud of so if, whether people's eyes are closed or not you really don't have to bother about that what is important is your here and hereafter the life that you're living here on earth and how that you need God to help you so that you will not end up like an Asha a King Asha making decisions based on human wisdom but there's a quality of wisdom and a quality of life that comes by relationship and intimacy so this morning I invite you into that same life I invite you into that light if you are that person in this room or online would you go ahead and raise your hand if you're in uh, if you're online just indicate in the comment section there we have our hosts and our ministers who would reach out to you and just um, provide guidance if you're in the room please lift your hand and I will say a prayer with you dear God I come to you today I acknowledge that without you I am nothing I need you I need you for my life to make meaning you created me for a specific purpose and so Lord I ask for grace to walk with you today I invite Jesus into my heart I confess with my mouth that he is Lord over my life and I believe with my heart that I have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into light so Holy Spirit help me build a home with God build a home in me dwell me dwell in me change me and make my life brand new in Jesus name Amen. Father, we thank you for everyone who said this prayer. With joy and thanksgiving, we receive them into, into this body, into this family. And we thank you because you will not leave nor forsake them. We ask, Lord, that you would uphold them. You will strengthen them in this journey. You would open their eyes to see you. We pray for divine encounters from this week as they have submitted their hearts to you. And I just pray for everyone whose hand is raised um, in the room and everyone who's indicated online. Right now that the Holy Spirit will come upon them afresh with the evidence of speaking in tongues in the name of Jesus. Father, do a quick walk of righteousness in their hearts and in their lives. The things that they're 
currently struggling with, we ask that you begin to fix, begin to turn around. Keep them deeply rooted and firm in you. The support and the, the, the support systems they need to be able to grow on this journey, send their teachers their way. In the name of Jesus Christ, we've prayed. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for, so much for being in church this morning. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.